0: The Unofficial Shopify Podcast is supported by eCommerce Bootcamp, a new strategy guide from the hosts of this very show. In it, you'll learn the insider secrets of starting, growing, and marketing a successful Shopify business that supports the life you want. For a free sample chapter and a special offer, visit eCommerce-Bootcamp.com today.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast. So, joining me today, special guest John McIntyre, founder of Reengager, host of the McMethod podcast, which is on the order of five times as popular as this one. Um, so, I might pick his brain about that after the show, and author of the upcoming book. He named it in Just five minutes ago, the ultimate guide to e-commerce email marketing, how to increase sales by 25% with email. And I love this idea. I love this concept because for me in my own business and clients' businesses, everywhere I look, no one is talking about email as much as they should, given the incredible return on investment it represents. It really is like, it is my favorite channel for marketing. It is one of the best channels, but it's front loaded because you've got to build a list, Except in e-commerce, where you have all these transactional emails, and you can really extend the average um, lifetime value of a customer with email. So there's no one better to talk to us about it than John. Thank you for joining us, John.
2: Garrett, okay, thanks for having me on the show.
1: My pleasure. And recently, you wrote um, well in last year, so in October, you wrote this fantastic article um, that got published on the Shopify blog. Caught my eye. I've referred to it before. It's called the seven automated email campaigns that win customers and keep them coming back, and I would love to discuss it with you.
2: We can get into it. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because that then that post it's it's a very quite an in-depth, long, lengthy uh, thing, beast. And uh, after that, that then led to doing a post on another site called Digital Marketer, which just actually ended up throwing a conference last week in san diego which i spoke at which started from the you know the post on their blog which was you know came from the post on shopify's blog and so it's just it's really interesting noticing how this content people obviously get so much value from it because i've had a lot of emails and even now it's like now i've got too many guest posting opportunities because companies like uh, crazy egg and and some other ones are coming along saying we you know can you do a guest post for us like we want one so it's a
1: and that's the amazing yeah. thing about, you know, not initially, especially, like, not saying no to these opportunities and looking for them, because they open doors. It's like, you may do a guest blog post that seems like a big nothing to you on a, you know, middle-tier blog or podcast, but then it opens doors to so many other things. Exactly. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, last week... Um, when I talked to Rand Fishkin, he said, you know, when creating content, think about who will amplify this. And I think, like, whether you thought about it or not, it, you saw that, that network effect, that amplification of content marketing happening. And that is totally yeah. besides the point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not really – now we're talking about content marketing, which is a different topic entirely. But we can talk about that. Or we can talk about email.
1: So, well, you have, you have self-branded yourself as the email guy. So we're going to talk about email.
2: All uh, right, let's talk about email.
1: Okay. So, you know, I've been playing it by ear, just sort of figuring out best practices on my own. You have more experience with email. Th- talk to me about uh, Abandoned Cart.
2: Well, I mean, how deep do you want to get into this? We can, I mean, everyone knows what abandoned, well, not everyone. Do they? No, that's the thing. <laughs> See, I just had this conversation with someone where, you know, when I'm looking at like, a, you know, our client base for our agency, it's, it's. In a sense, it's e-commerce store owners, like e-commerce companies at a certain revenue, doing usually doing a million or two in revenue in sales. But, you know, you take a guy who's 30 years old, really tech savvy, like he's going to go, he's going to be able to listen to this podcast or go and read one of those blog posts and set up a lot of this stuff himself because, you know, he's just he's tech savvy. It all makes sense to him. He knows what marketing automation is and open rates are and welcoming us. He knows all that. Then on the other, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got guys where... This was a was a guy was a client last year, more than two million dollars in annual sales. You know, great business. He's you know he's very happy, very satisfied. I think he's you know runs a really uh, you know small team. So it's by by the sound of it, it sounds like they're doing really well, having a great time. But he has never, ever, ever sent an email to his database. Not card abandonment. Not promotions. Nothing.
1: It's such a missed opportunity.
2: So you. You know, it's fascinating with these. You know, just seeing that broad range. You know, at the one end, you've got you know companies where they'll just do it themselves because it's it's really it's really interesting. I think this is a. You know, I mean, this goes into another thing of consulting. I noticed you, you write a lot about consulting as well, but where where you know a big thing that people struggle with and I've struggled with is plenty, But but we struggle with this undervaluing ourselves because to us, learning the internet and studying marketing is such an easy, natural thing. It's what we grew up with. There are a lot of you know other generations who grew up uh, before us. That didn't grow up with computers or didn't grow up with the internet. It's a different game, whereby you know some all these analytics and even marketing automation. All this stuff sounds so fancy and so complicated, and
1: it's intimidating.
2: It's intimidating. Some of these people can't even. You know, my grandpa, he struggles to attach a file to an email.
1: Yeah, and it's if you haven't grown up with it, or like, I don't, you know, it's funny, I don't consider myself a developer, but I'm still familiar with, like, familiar enough to get, get myself in trouble with code, and I've taken several computer science classes, and it's like, okay, even with that, I still don't consider myself a developer, so you're right, it is a, a generational thing. And interesting, I heard, um, you know, locally for us, Chicago Public Schools uh, is going to voting to make uh, computer science a requirement of graduation from high school because it's so important for, really, the reasons you outlined.
2: Yeah, 100%. But to get back to card abandonment, the reason why we sort <laughs> yeah. of went on that meandering detour. Tangent two. Tangent two. It's going to be tangent 100. Uh, the reason we went on that was that you said, what's card abandonment? And, and to, you know, someone who's younger, more tech savvy, that, you know, card abandonment, you know... You know, on that sort of more advanced end is you can start to split it up into you know three at least three different buckets of card abandonment whereas at the higher end or at the simpler end uh, when you're just getting into this you know maybe card abandonment is just one email sent out with shopify's default plugin which is not what you want to do but basically card abandonment for those of you who don't know is someone visits your website they add a product to your shopping cart to their cart, they go to the checkout, they type in their email address, and their name and they hit next to go to the payment screen and then they leave because a bomb went off or their daughter came up and asked them for some cookies or something happened and they left their computer. Now, as far as the, the numbers go, two-thirds of people abandon their cart. So, if, you've, you know, if you're doing a million dollars in sales, you've got two million dollars abandoning. And you, while you can't get all of that back... You can certainly bring back a percentage of it, and some of you know some of what you can do there in terms of to bring it back is you know using emails and, and email marketing.
1: So what's the right? So Shopify, you know, in, built into Shopify, um, if you're on the, I think it's the Pro Plan, Pro Plan or higher, I forget what the names of the tiers are, but it'll do like one abandoned cart email, and you really, you know, your only options are if it's six hours or 24 hours. Um, and then when you move into third-party stuff, I like Clavio, uh, I think it's a great email software. You could really do as many abandoned cart emails as you want. What's the right timing? What's and how many is the right number of uh, emails to send?
2: Well, the, the real answer is it depends. And uh, partly is it's how aggressive do you want to be? How you know how. Yeah, I think that's a big part of this. Some people are very aggressive marketers. They love it. They're all about it. they do not scared of it. They don't worry about people getting upset. They, you know, it's just what they're all about. Whereas other people are a bit more. Oh, we don't want to. Don't want to offend these people. Don't want to make them sad. So,
1: I'm in the former <laughs> camp, and I used okay. to be in the latter camp. And the reason is like, the more emails I send, until like I got to the point where there are times where I will send an email every day, and I still don't get unsubscribes, or rather, like I have a net. I've net more subscribers than unsubscribers, and I don't get, like, I have, you know, occasionally you'll get, like, a cranky person where I just happen to be, you know, the person whose inbox they decided to take a shit in. Um, but for the most part, like, even sending an email every day doesn't bother people. Um, and in fact, it does the opposite. It builds engagement. It builds rapport. But I think it might be a little different with, like, you know, you have to handle it carefully, whereas with abandoned cart emails... You know, you're not necessarily providing them value by emailing them three times in a row.
2: Well, it's because it, you, if you asked me this question this morning, I would have said generally I'd send three emails. We, we, you know, we'd send three emails for a card abandonment campaign. Um, but yeah, I just got off the phone with someone who sends five. So, and I've I remember speaking with someone else a little while ago who sent seven. Huh. These are different businesses. One of them sells jewelry, and this other one sells. It's a financial newsletter, so and it's dig. I think it's digital, so it's a bit diff- not strictly e-commerce in that sense. But their mindset there, and, and this is probably the better way to think about it, is stop sending emails when they stop by. So if you have someone who adds something to the cart and then leaves, if they, you know if you've got ten thousand people who do that in the next twelve months, and you know you send them four emails, and the fourth email still get you still getting sales then send them a fifth email. If that still gets sales, send them a sixth email.
1: You're right, actually. Yeah, I never thought about it. I mean, it would... And especially with, like, the analytics that are built into it. Um, you know, it's easy to see, like, where you hit the point of uh, diminished returns.
2: By the way, I found out today that Clavio is actually pronounced Clavio.
1: Uh, so now that you've told it to me, it will... There's a part of my brain that's broken. I am unable to remember how it's pronounced. I have been on the phone with people from... Clavio, Clavio, was it Clavio? Yeah. Clavio. Cla- Clavio. Um, and like had them tell it to me, and I still don't, like within minutes, I'll have forgotten.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think I've done I, the same thing. I've been on the phone with them before, and I still don't say it right every time. I would someone correct me today. so
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, so, with, uh, well, let's see what we got. So, what do you put in abandoned card emails?
2: It's pretty simple. You, you just say, hey, you left someone in your cart. And then you show them a picture of it. You might even show them a – I think you should show them if you could. Show them a countdown timer and use copy that says something like, look, we've reserved it for you, but it's only we've only saved it for the next hour or the next 24 hours or the next seven days or something like that. Um,
1: so however we'll,
2: long the sequence goes. What's that?
1: Well, offend people if they – that you've created a false sense of scarity, or is it really only like the most sensitive cranks who are going to do that?
2: I don't know. I'm sure you're going to offend some people. I mean, all this stuff always offends people, but <laughs> there's always
1: someone who's offended
2: like these like companies. It's a, it's just like a tried and tested and sales method. I don't think unless your brand is like built around not being sl- like not being, uh, one of those companies, which occasionally it is because it's a, minimalist company or it's a you know who knows what like a really personal development company something like that like this stuff works this is why like some of the biggest fastest growing companies like Groupon they one of the fastest growing companies ever they had timers on everything everything expired that was the whole magic of those websites
1: <laughs> That's a good so, point.
2: yeah some people aren't going to like it but but generally speaking it's it's going to work I, I haven't seen too many companies do this yet I did open an email today from a company that I'm on I don't know how many lists and just scroll through and check these you know, different companies' emails. But one of these things it said, you know, timer expired. So offer expired or something like that. It said that in the email. So I'm guessing that they've used some script in there which, it, you know, obviously had the timing going. And I hadn't checked it in a week. So the offer expired.
1: I'm, well, my I'm, I'm guessing is the way it would work is you use the uh, – you call an image. And then the image is or like an animated GIF with the timer. Exactly. I've seen scripts yeah. that do that. Um, another way to do it static is in like within Shopify, um, since they use uh liquid code, you could actually write, um, it's pretty like, it's a simple one line of liquid code where you can do a uh, date math and you could say like your, your code will expire, you know, seven days from now. Yeah. And I've actually done like I used for my own emails, I use drip, um, and drip supports liquid. So that's, how I figured it out in that.
2: But, oh, nice. Okay. I, used to, I, haven't used, I haven't used that feature.
1: Yeah. Since you're writing liquid code, you can actually do that. Um, it works well. You could say, like, you could do date calculations and stuff. Um, let's see. So, Jared, I like that you do, you recommend doing um, a, an objection handling email. Of the emails I've sent with abandoned cards, the one that always seems to do the best is objection handling, where you're like, what, you know, what went wrong? Just hit reply and ask. And then quickly you develop like a FAQ. So if there's like three questions, you know, it becomes its own market research where you can then try and bust those objections elsewhere in the process.
2: Exactly. And then you can, I mean, you can use that to then dry out like, you know, improve the email. So you, you know, if you find out certain objections are coming up again and again and again, which is probably what you're going to find, then you obviously update your checkout page with that information. You can update your original welcome email from the very beginning. You could feature that thing all over the website. So that, you know, really. Confront those objections head-on. Uh, that's why I love doing the the objection handling email.
1: Yeah, no, the objection handling emails are is great on both fronts. Um, and then I think you know the the solution to oh no we're gonna offend people is to use humor, but it only works if it fits within the context of your brand, right? So like that's I pot. yeah, yes. like you have to have been you know if you're a very serious brand, then all of a sudden like you know someone gets an animated gift from you in their email, it's gonna seem strange. Whereas if you've built exactly yeah, you know, like if you've built that humor and it works, um and I think you like in my own autoresponders, I'll use like animated gifs, and I know I've got one that has like Homer Simpson in it, and I'll do stuff like that. It's fun <laughs> like it's easy, you know it's funny, it's like to be your authentic self is much easier, and so so people so many people shy away from it.
2: I mean absolutely yeah if you can if you can find a way to build that into the brand I think it resonates with people and it makes everything a whole lot more fun but again this it really depends on what sort of business you're building
1: yeah so I think um let's see what else do we have here you know I read, uh, I talked to Addy from Receiptful and oh yeah they I was had, on the front of them the other day they he is a they're delightful um but they, they are you know receiptful. they're Receiptful. <laughs> They're re- delightful and deceitful. Um, they, uh, not, you know, their but not whole thing, deceitful. but not deceitful. You know, their whole thing is that um, transactional emails have the highest open rate of anything, um, which is interesting. You know, I do. There's something strange that people have to open their order confirmation email, but that presents an incredible opportunity. You know, you've got this one email where you know everybody's guaranteed. What's some ways to make the best of? Um, those order confirmation emails.
2: I think the main thing is just to put in a uh, basically do it, do an Amazon. You know, people who bought this also bought this. Actually, on this note, I just uh, today I was on the phone with a Metria. I don't know if you've heard of these guys. This was Not familiar. Yeah. Okay, so they're a UK, they're based in the UK. They don't really target the US market, which to me seems a bit strange given that you know it's the world wide web, it doesn't really matter where you are. Here's a link. But it's it's this company called Ametria, and the guy we we're just chatting and, and seeing it, you know, just seeing if there's any ideas come up or any synergy. But anyway, he took me through a gave me a run through of their software and a look at the back end, and it's awesome in terms of how it does the personalization, which is similar to. It's sort of like how I imagine Receiptful works. I haven't used Receiptful, but um, how Klaviyo works, uh, yeah, Klaviyo, Klaviyo, how that <laughs> works at times as well. Uh, but what I met you does is collects, by the sound of it, when I saw this demo, it basically records an incredibly detailed um, image of your you know, customer, what they're buying, what they're paying attention to, what they're looking at, and it automatically optimizes the e- adds these things into all the emails. It's pretty badass thing. So just on this note, that remi- you know, that reminded me of... um you know, what you should be doing with the transactionals, which is yeah exactly what Amazon's doing when you go on Amazon's site. It's like, oh, you looked at this site, you looked at this book, you should check out this book. People who reviewed this book also reviewed this book. People who bought this book, you know, it just goes on and on and on like that.
1: Yeah, these personalized recommendations are awesome. Um, and it recently got added as a feature in Clavio, where it can, like, it'll drop in a product feed based on what the person looked at in the past. And there's like a tracking code you have to drop on the website to do it. Um, and I haven't had them running long enough to see the results of it and see, you know, how well it works. But if it delivers on the promise, um, then, yeah, I mean, it'll it'll pay for itself very quickly. And I'd imagine Ometria, same deal. Like, I don't have to use it to know that that concept is sound and amazing. So, I think, so, you know, with, with opening receipts, uh, receipt emails, one thing I, I think is great to do with customers is indoctrinate them. And, in fact, I will call it brainwashing. And that's, I think that starts with you, you called it a a welcome email series. Um, And you had said it creates long-term engagement, which I absolutely believe. Um, But I think the the trick there is to to get people, once they've purchased, they're engaged. They're going to be opening your emails for at least that first week. And that's the time to engage them with um, your story. Like if you have an interesting, if you come up with a hero, an origin story, you know, some kind of hero story and share that. Then it makes you memorable, top of mind, um, and gets people to um, to recommend you to their friends.
2: That's correct. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Like just going even to the data with this stuff, like we didn't get into it, but with card abandonment, for example, you're going to look at if you go look up card abandonment case studies, you're looking at five to fifteen percent that you're going to recover. So that if you're a million dollar store, you're losing two million. You're going to be with a, a campaign like this, you're going to recover five to 15 percent of the next 12 months. So, five to 15 percent of uh, what's that, 100 grand to 300 grand of the next 12 months with a good card abandonment campaign. With uh, that, just gives you an idea. There was one case study I read recently, which you might want to sort of look up and add to the show notes if you can envelopes.com card abandonment case study. It's they were able to recover, I think, 40% or increase their recovery rate by 40% with by using a few different types of abandonment. Uh, emails, which we can get into then when you go look at the welcome email I, the reason why i 'm bringing up this data is it 's not that it 's interesting but it 's not that interesting it 's interesting because you go wow this actually this isn 't just fluff this actually works so with the welcome email, it gets three times the transactions and i think it's three three times typically it gets three times the transactions and revenue of your standard you know your standard uh promotional email, which is fascinating. Because I've had companies where they're saying their welcome email is the single most. Like they just get more, they make more money with their welcome email than any other email they sent.
1: Hmm. Well, and it's because I think, you know, the hard part in any relationship, any transaction, is getting the person not to spend. You know, like a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, whatever it is, it's to get them to go from zero to one dollar. So once we've got that, like once they've demonstrated, okay, they'll you know they've gotten over that hurdle, they'll spend any money at all, and you can make it a very you know a positive experience. Then yeah, you're like you're uh, you're striking uh, while it's hot, you know, with that that welcome email.
2: Exactly. I mean, I think. Part of it is like someone, you know, usually with a welcome email, they've visited the website, they've signed up for a coupon and now you're pushing them to go and uh, go and buy something. So it, you know, there's very much like that, if someone's going to buy something, uh, you know, from an email, it's usually going to be probably, it's probably going to be the welcome email anyway. But this is just a, a fantastic opportunity for companies that if they're not sending, if they don't, if they don't have an offer on the site to, to sign up, a pop-up of some kind uh, and they're not then sending out a welcome email. It, even and even a welcome series, where there's some brand indoctrination. So you can bring in some of the brand indoctrination in that first email, but it can also be in the following few emails as well, where you really just take some time to explain what the hell you're all about, and you know what makes your company different.
1: I think that's yeah, that's your opportunity to teach them the whatever your unique selling proposition is, competitive advantage, and that goes back to like step one of any. Of, any good marketing the cornerstone is figuring out your positioning and that's well that sounds simple that i i watch everybody struggle with it
2: the position i mean this is this is where it gets tricky right this isn't like an easy issue this isn't like just sit down for half an hour and write it out this is what's your identity as a company like what are you bringing to the market that's different
1: yeah that's an like if i said you know figure out your positioning and it's you know it's one or two sentences you know that's you know what you do who you do it for and why
0: And then what you're different
1: about it, like, okay, yeah, that seems straightforward. But what makes it such a struggle is it's especially for business owners, it's yeah, it's like, okay, let's write two sentences that define who you are.
2: Yeah. It's hard. Well, it can be more than that. I mean you can you know, you're better off doing you know, goodies better than not done at all. So if you can sit down and get this happening and, and create something that's at least you know, somewhat on track, that's gonna be a lot better than not doing it at all.
1: So one of the questions like of email campaigns, you know, I think all of them, well, they're all, they're fairly straightforward in that doing anything is better than doing nothing. The only one where I think people really struggle, um, and that it's not, it's not clear, not obvious what to do is how do you re-engage a cold prospect, someone who you haven't talked to in a while. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's a straightforward answer to that. What do you think?
2: Well, if you, I mean, it depends on the context here. Like if it's someone who's, you know, stopped opening or stopped clicking emails, that's one thing. But if it's just, you know, I I think once someone's in your database, you know, for an e-commerce company, I think there's a huge upside to nurturing them regularly over time. So sending an email out uh, every, you know, every week or every two weeks with something, some sort of content or a video or a a link to something cool, something that's going to make them remember who you are.
1: Well, that's what's interesting. I don't, what. You know I've, I've come to realize is there is value in sometimes sending an email about nothing you know being 100 <laughs> percent being just like you don't try to sell them anything, you literally just like have a funny anecdote from your day and share it with people and it humanizes you um, but it um, it's like basically you have to do like a bit of a Seinfeld routine every so often in your email um, and it, it's powerful
2: A hundred percent. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, this is something that took me a while to learn is this whole idea of infotainment or sending out e- emails that, that uh, y- their sole purpose is to entertain, to be funny, to make someone laugh. Like, you could send someone a, an email to a funny video you, your team found on YouTube that week. Like that, you could do stuff that that's that simple and seems very silly.
1: And, be you know, there is a lot of power in being, in being silly. I think people are scared of doing it. Like, you know, in we all go through school and we've we get beaten in our heads writing in this very professional academic prose and for whatever reason that like oh I see that always get carried over to email campaigns and sales copy when people try to do it on their own or for the first time um and when you let that go and you just start like you just let your inner third grader out for like every so often in an email series the response you get is tremendous and it makes people excited to open your emails cuz they're like well you know maybe this one is going to be really funny and then they're not bothered when it's like I think that's where you get into problems with people being like you're annoying. You send too many emails. What they're really saying is like you're not sending me anything I want.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting you bring this up. This whole idea of doing story-based or more entertaining emails because I think it can work for some companies. However, it's not. I mean, the, the thing with marketing and marketing, you know, podcasts doing things like this. Everyone wants. Uh, or you know you know when people come to you and ask you for questions or uh, ask you for advice you know that everyone wants this hard and fast answer this you know one you know one answer to rule them all they want the yeah, an-
1: they want that sound bite
2: they they do but the answer is it depends like almost every single time it's it depends
1: and that's what I tend to I'm like well it depends but like here's a here's a typical best practice yeah and that's like that's really the best you could do um but yeah i mean it's like a lot, you know, a lot of the advice we gave would not would work for, you know, a solopreneur, a small business. Like especially that very personal stuff works really well for them because you can brand it as, you can make it you, you can make yourself the hero. Versus like, if I'm getting like personal funny YouTube videos from Jeff Bezos at Amazon, like it's just it wouldn't be believable. Even if he was really the one writing it, like I just wouldn't buy it.
2: Well, because you know that he's sending an email out to literally billions of people, so.
1: Yeah, whereas, like, the – you know, but when they send me, you know, dynamic personalization and it says, like, hey, here's recommended products for you, even if they weren't recommended, I just accept that, like, okay, at their enterprise level, these must be some, like, incredible recommendation
2: engine. Well, if you think about it, like, using the software to make those recommendations, like, recommended for you, like, it's actually – the software is figuring out what you actually like. And, I mean, this is is what's great about algorithms, right? Like, even if it's not really recommended by a person – at least they're giving you. At least it's showing you what. It's sort of like when I get to Netflix and I'm looking for a movie to watch. Sometimes you're like, ah, oh, I don't know, I can't find anything I like. And then you, all you have to just click is, is you know, more like find something that you do like, and then click, you know, obviously click the movie, and then go more like this, and it'll show you all the related movies that other people have watched. And so that then, so I know, I know that that's just coming from an algorithm, but that saves me time, and it helps me get more value from the service because now I don't have to think. About what I'm going to buy next or what I'm going to watch next. In this case,
1: yeah. Well, and Pete, like, what's interesting is they try to humanize it by they'll always use language like "customers who viewed this also viewed." You know, like they include Sorry. that element of like, yeah, the, sure, it's an algorithm, but like it's based on people's behavior, and I think that helps a lot. It's just that language. Um, okay, lightning round. What is your preferred email software?
2: Clavio. Me Klaviyo. too.
1: Very good. Good man. Um, yeah, for e-commerce, Klaviyo. Uh For my personal stuff, I used Rip. Um, but yeah, Clavio is, is impressive and powerful. Uh, what's, what's one misconception about email marketing you want to correct right now?
2: Uh, that it's a magic bullet, that it's going to totally transform everything that you're doing and make everything better. Like it's not, for some companies it'll, it'll be really, really good. If you're doing, you know, a million dollars in sales and you bump that by 25% to, you need to have an extra $250,000 per year in sales, which is really cool. other companies won't get that much because they have a different product or a different market or, you know, different model. Sometimes it's just not going to work. So email is great. It, it, there's a lot of research behind it to back it up. You know, plenty of companies rely on it massively. But no, it's not going to totally transform. It's not the magic bullet that's going to save your business. It's
1: not going to ten- it, It's unlikely that it's going to ten- 10x somebody's business.
2: No, it's not even going to double your business. I mean, like, I'd love to be able to make that claim, like, how to double your business with email marketing. And I, I'm guessing there's people out there that do it. That, that's just not realistic, though. In any business, you're going to have – if you doubled your business with email marketing, then that, that would be like saying that email marketing is – like you didn't even need to do anything else in the first place. You could have just sent emails because so, that would have given you at least 100% of what you have now.
1: When would you say is 25% the safe number?
2: 25% is – yeah, 10 to 25%. It's so the research I've you know i been doing where I look at clients. It's usually 10 to 25%. Sell on the low end, twenty five on the high end, and twenty five, like like it varies, right? So a, a company we spoke to a couple of weeks ago—they sell baby cribs. That's all they sell. They don't sell baby clothes. They don't sell anything other than baby cribs. So when a family, you know, realizes that um, the woman is pregnant, and they're like, "All right, well, now we need a baby crib," so they go online, search for baby cribs, and there's probably like a window of about three months, and like they're going to buy a baby crib in the next three months. Once they've bought one, they don't need to hear about any. They don't need to hear about baby cribs anymore. Because they're not going to have a kid for at least another few years. Right. And by that time, they can just use that same, baby, uh, that same crib. So this company's got a three-month window to make the sale. After that, it doesn't matter how big their database is. If that database is two years old, there's nothing to sell them.
1: Yeah, I can make them recommendations for like, the newest, greatest crib all day long, and it's not going to do anything. So, yeah. yeah, so you're right. It does. It is hugely dependent on product and market. Uh, and any closing thoughts? What's one thing you wish every Shopify store owner would do?
2: Send more emails. Uh Everyone
1: is scared of sending too many emails. And when people start complaining, that's when, (laughs) like, if you're, if when people start complaining and not like one person, like, you get a lot of complaints, that means that you've got need to change one thing. You either send fewer emails or add a lot more value to those emails. But I have yet to see anyone hit that, like, I've never seen anyone where I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down on these emails.
2: Yeah. I mean, that rarely happens. You do have to be careful from, you know, obviously maintaining the health of the database long term. So you don't want to do anything that's going to damage that in any serious way. But generally speaking, like most companies can send more emails. And that's, you know, I, I think that's, you know, the best thing I could do is like be more aggressive with your card abandonment. Be more aggressive with the nurture sequence. Be more aggressive with the follow up that you do with customers when they come through.
1: Yeah, just it's like, especially help, with yeah. card abandonment, it's like, well, what are they going to do? Continue to not give you their money? I mean, it's like, if it creates a problem, yeah, sure, don't do it. But especially with, um, you know, if using something like Clavio where you have this amazing dashboard that at a glance you could figure out, like, what is a valuable email and what isn't, you know, then you just disable the stuff that doesn't produce value. Yeah. Or exactly. revise it, et cetera. Um, all right, so where could people go to learn more about you?
2: Best place to go is re-engage it. Uh, dot com, which is R-E-E-N-G-A-G-E-R dot com
1: and can I also find your podcast there the McMethod podcast
2: if you want to find the McMethod podcast you need to go to so the McMethod what's the McMethod
1: podcast about anyway what is well, the McMethod
2: well there's really two podcasts so the McMethod podcast is the one which has all those downloads 200,000 I think it's almost 300,000 now so th- th- re- there's a reengager podcast which we've only done I think seven episodes total now So it's just getting started. There's barely anything going on there, right? Uh, The McMethod Podcast, on the other hand, that's been around for two going on three years, 130 interviews just over that now. And so I've interviewed copywriting and marketing experts from all over the internet. So this is, oh, I think the same link then. Uh, So this is guys like John Carlton, uh, Bob Bly, Perry Marshall, Brian Levesque, a lot of different people like that. There you go, there's another link. That's really, it's just also, I mean, it's all sorts of people. Josh Felber, I think, is a business coach. Pat, Patrick Tripp works with the Adobe uh, marketing team. Dan Meredith, crazy guy from England. Brian Kreuzberg, Kreuzberg, Kreuzberger, sorry, Brian Kreuzberger. I said Kreuzberg because I'm staying in Kreuzberg right now. Brian Kreuzberger, Mike Fishbrian, just lots of different people like that, doing all sorts of different things.
1: Very good. Very good. I'm taking notes. So I'm gonna, I will put all this stuff in the show notes, um, all the links, so that, that people have easy access to it. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that, uh, that about wraps it up. Anything you want to plug?
2: No. Well, either one of those podcasts you can go check out. Or, I mean, mainly just re That's what I'm working on full-time at the moment. So, you know, you can go over there. There is the podcast. There is there's an ROI calculator, which you can check out. We've got some white papers. There's a blog.
1: All right, I'm going to time to record the outro and wrap this bad boy up. So to our listeners, however this audio made it into your ears, you can find out more about it at com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, you could sign up for my newsletter at kurtelster.com and I'll shoot you an email whenever we post a new episode. Thanks everybody, and we'll be back next week.
0: Our program was produced today by Paul Rita.